welcome to Drowning in Manga, where we explore the deep, dark depths of manga. I am one of your hosts, Vlord GTZ, and I have my co-host with me. Yeah, uh, Meowth 900. Yes, Meowth 900 is back with us again, and we are here for more of that Shonen Sunday Shonen Magazine recap goodness. Uh, this week we're going to be covering five series, uh, three from Shonen Sunday, and two from Shonen Magazine, because unfortunately we won't be able to talk about Silver Spoon this week because the manga went a hiatus and the translations for the final chapter of this batch of chapters isn't out yet, so no Silver Spoon this week, but we still got a solid lineup here to talk about. Are you pumped, Allison? I'm pumped like a bike tire. Like in Yamushi Pedal. Oh, Yamamushi Pedal, another great series that unfortunately we don't cover here. But Shonen Champion also has their good stuff. Shout out to Shonen Champion. Lord needs to read it or watch it. Yes, I, it's definitely on my backlog. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah, I'm pumped to talk about some Shonen Sunday, and uh, we're gonna start off with our usual series, Zero's Tea Time. So let's get right into this. Okay, so we're going to start off our recap with Zero's Tea Time Chapter 6. Allison, I'm going to have you do the honors of recapping this chapter this time. Hey, I have more to do. So, page one has Amuro on the front of a car staring off into the sunset like a pretty boy he is. Nick says, as he gazes towards the empty sky, what is he thinking? I was thinking about the... Something nice, maybe food. I don't know, maybe both. Amuro definitely seems to think about food a lot. Amuro is a good food person, like Soma. Agreed. So now it's going to Amuro's uh, coffee cafe place. I forget the name of it. Cafe Poirot, I think. Okay. Uh, there's this lady named Midori saying Miss Kisaki has beaten her prior record for remaining undefeated. Yeah, a fun fact about her boss, uh, Miss Kisaki is uh, Ron's mother for people who don't know. So Ron's mother for people who have watched uh, or read uh, Detective Conan is a lawyer. I forgot about that, but thanks for the reminder. No problem. Today we're going to celebrate along with Miss Kisaki's lawyer friends. And everyone's like, oh man, lawyer stuff. Now Azusa is saying, oh, we would have delivered this thing. We're delivering sandwiches. It's a surprise. I'll pick it up and then head there by taxi. So I guess it's looking like Amuro has to deliver some sandwiches. This is going to be an intense time. It's like, what should I do? I thought the party was beginning an hour later than it actually was. Get there in time? Oh. Amaro's got a car, and he's a good driver. How many minutes do we get, have left before the party starts? Ray asks. 23 minutes. Approximately 35 minutes until you reach your destination. Do you think they'll make it, V-Lord? Man, I don't know. It seems like a close call, but we got Amaro behind the wheel, and uh, all his uh, uh, national police training should be make him prepared for this moment to deliver sandwiches on time. I am confidence in Amuro, too. I would request that he would drive safely, please. And then Ray's like, oh yeah, sure, no problemo. 
then the car starts going really fast. All these fast turns for some kid who's gonna catch a ball in the middle of the road. Just like you Yu show. Or Captain Tsubasa. I miss Tsubasa so much. So much drama, like, kids like, oh my goodness, I almost got hit by a car. And then Ray's like, be more careful next time, okay? More car sounds. Vroom, vroom. All that stuff. See the office building. Midori says, they're almost there, be warned. This is intense driving right now. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so intense. It's like Initial D, except they're delivering sandwiches instead of tofu. Yeah. Oh no, now they're, the water pipe's broken and some of the road is submerged. And they gotta detour it out of there. He's a smart boy and he has a good idea. Looks like Amuro decides to drive the car on the wall of the tunnel that currently has water in it. I love his expression during it. It's just like this like super satisfied face. While like um, Midori just has like just this entire like expression of fear. Yeah. It's like su- it's like such a perfect contrast. Yeah, got like that evil slate is spreading them down with it, man. Yeah. And all of a sudden, looks like they made it back to deliver those sandwich thingies. It's a relief that you made it on time yesterday. Thanks to your help, Miss Kasaki was very happy. Seraphius Midori-san? Yes. And Amuro was like, shall I take you by car if you like? Really? And it's like, no, I'm fine. No need to hold back. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, she w- will want to drive with Amuro for a while after that crazy ride. That was a crazy chapter. And then the bottom text says, continues in issue 30. It says, driving like a devil. In the next issue, in everyday life tea time, leads to Amuro's sleeping techniques. It'll probably just hit, be hit, like his sleeping schedule or something. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this uh, chapter quite a bit. It's like, uh, for one thing, it's expanding the cast of characters. Uh, hopefully, Midori is going to be a recurring character because it seems like she's friends with Azusa. And uh, yeah, just uh, Amuro doing his more wild antics, which is really fun. Like, n- not much really happens in Zero's Tea Time, but every chapter just is kind of, just a very kind of chill, fun time. A nice, relaxing read. Yeah, especially when you're going from pictures with words in Japanese to things on the bottom side. <laughs> yeah. It helps when it's all action scenes, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Zero's Tea Time does have a lot of the, just panels of, like, just art only, which is also pretty cool. But, yeah. Yeah, I love Amuro so much. Every week I learn more about how cool he is. Yeah, th- this this entire manga is just gonna increase the f- fangirls of Amuro that are already huge, because Amuro uh, makes that money for Sh- uh, Shongaku-kan. We recently learned of the greatness of Amuro. I'll do it back on eventually. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, like... Back when I was catching up with Conan, like, Amuro, all the stuff between, like, the rivalry between uh, Amuro and Ate was, like, the big hype stuff. And I'm just like, oh, this looks cool. I'm going to catch up again. But yeah, uh, Amuro. Amuro's a great character. He's really fun. Okay, now it's time for your your boy. 
yeah, we're we're now gonna shift over to uh, Detective Conan, and uh, this week we're talking about Detective Conan chapter one thousand and fourteen. Uh, the title of the chapter is uh, Attendance. And uh, last time we left off, uh, someone got murdered, and they were a police officer. And here it uh, seems to be the ne- the morning of the next day, and uh, we see Conan and the detective boys crossing the street like good Samaritans, and they run into Yumi and uh, uh, Mike, and uh, they're like, oh, hey, we see that you're raising your hands. And they're like, yeah, after Naeko... Uh, chastised us yesterday for almost breaking traffic rules, we decided to research a lot. <laughs> and, like, he was like, oh, is that so? And, like, you can just see this, like, expression of satisfaction on her, on the Nyako's face, just like, oh, I, I, I taught these kids a valuable lesson. Which is pretty cute. Um, but a- as they're talking, uh, the police uh, responder radio... Uh, shoots out a message that a female corpse was beating to death uh, near the Baker East Park. And for everyone, all officers nearby to head to the crime scene. So uh, Conan and the detective boys decide to follow. And uh, they come across uh, the body of uh, Momosaki-san, who was drinking with uh, Naeko last night at the karaoke place. Um, and... They basically see that, yeah, she's dead, like we thought from the last chapter. Um, and basically they're just kind of inspecting the body, seeing all the little things that are wrong with it. Naeko's kind of getting really upset and crying because she was friends with her and stuff. And they notice a few uh, strange things at the crime scene, like a bent 100 yen coin next to the victim's body. So they're trying to think, uh, Takagi and Sato are at the crime scene too, and they're thinking that, oh, maybe this was a grudge over money, but Sato's like, they need to do more investigation. But then Conan suddenly appears on the crime scene, right in front of Sato, and, like, Conan's like, there's another hint. Look at this woman's left hand. There's nothing on her index finger, but there are scratches on the first joint of her middle finger. Ring finger and pinky finger. Dun dun. <laughs> yeah, and then he like turns over the hand and shows that there's like these little scratch marks on her hand, and that her hand was originally positioned on the ground to point to a certain place, uh, which was the swing that was nearby. So they're trying to think, huh? What what what's the meaning of the swing? And Conan can't really figure it out. But then suddenly, um, one of Naeko's other officer friends, Yagi, shows up. And, uh, she's like, yeah, I was go, I was out there last night with Naeko and, uh, uh go, doing a karaoke with, uh, Toko as well. And when they parted Toko, because uh, Naeko got drunk, uh, they, they don't really know what happened afterwards. And, uh, Sato asks, uh, Sato asks her if, um, if, uh, Toko had any, uh, grudges, grudges placed against her and she wasn't aware of any. And basically they ask if she knows anything about the swing. And she is like, come to think of it, this has nothing to do with the swing, but she was 
been, she's been followed by someone since the week ago. And suddenly she gets this, like, epiphany in her head. And Sato notices that something's up with her. But Yagi's like, uh, no, it must be a misunderstanding. And uh, she'll contact Sato later if she finds something out. And then uh, suddenly uh, we pan over... Uh, well, first, uh, Naeko talks about uh, potential suspects. So they had pulled over a few drivers in the previous week. A person who had been driving on their smartphone, Anokengo-san. A dude who had been uh, going on a motorcycle without a helmet in the reverse direction, Akamine Manji. And then someone who had been driving without a seatbelt and rode a car with an expired vehicle inspection, Shiro Yama Yuzo. Yeah, so they said that they'll look into uh, those suspects. And Conan's like, huh, come to think of it, these, all of these, uh, all of these arrests or pulls over of these, uh, drivers seem to happen near the, uh, near Kogoro's detective agency. But Kogoro was, uh, on a trip last week with the Neighborhood Association. But then Conan's like, but wait, maybe Amro f- from Cafe Perot side. Amro! So, uh, so, uh, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, Amuro is going to show up in the next chapter of this. That'd be cool. But uh, before Conan can dwell on the thoughts, uh, the detective boys uh, call Conan over because they have to go to school still because it's a school day. Detective boys always ruining everything. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we then pan over to uh, Yagi who has went over to the house of the person who we saw from the first chapter, the mysterious black silhouette who seemed to kill uh, Toko. And, like, she basically, basically Yagi has figured out that this individual has killed, uh, Toko, had killed Toko, and once, uh, the, once the individual realizes this, she tases Yagi and throws her off the building. And as Yagi's about to dial a number, uh, the... Criminal throws a bent hundred yen coin like uh, they did with the last uh, suspect, and then crushes the phone. And then the suspect, the criminal is all like, "One more." And then we then pan over to a panel where uh, a bunch of police uh, cars are heading over to the crime scene. Uh, we see uh, Shiratori and Chiba are heading over, and when they get there, they find a. Uh, the superintendent Kuroda, who, for those who don't know, is one of the suspects who might be Rum. And, uh, Chiba and Shiratori ask, uh, Kuroda why he's there, and he said that he just happened to pass by, and that he wanted to look at the crime scene, and he said that it's clear now that the victim was, uh, Inspector Yagi. And, uh, that that the 100 yen coin has a cherry blossom carved on it, and the cherry blossom is the emblem of the Japanese police. So he said that there's no doubt about it that this is a serial murder that is targeting female police officers. Dun dun dun! Uh... Yeah, it looks like this uh, case is getting a bit interesting. Um... Amuro shows up next time. Hopefully, yeah, Amuro shows up next time. That'd be cool. But also, we have Inspector Kuroda showing up as well, and 
Corona's an interesting character because we still don't know what, what exactly is up with him. Because, like, he, he definitely looks like a su- suspicious guy, but he also seems like a very honest person. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how, how if, if Amro's going to be in this case, as well as Conan and Naeko and stuff, it's going to be interesting how all these characters interact together. Because it's an interesting mix that we're going to have here, I think. So, I'm also kind of curious just about how this is just going to overall play out. Because initially this just seemed like it was going to be a pretty safe uh, detective love story uh, set of chapters. But it seems to be getting pretty serious. Like, we have a serial murder here. um, And they're killing police officers, which is something that doesn't really happen much in Conan. As far as I remember. But, um... Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to the next chapter. What are your thoughts on this chapter, Allison? Uh, any of these characters at all compared to you? Hoping either Amaro shows up or we get back to what was happening earlier. Yeah, like I feel like I feel with a lot of these like police heavy chapters, it it requires I think uh a lot of kind of well versity with uh, Conan itself because there, there's a lot of like cops that they've established in the Detective Conan world. Like, Shiratori, Chiba, Takagi, Sato, Naeko, Yumi, Kuroda, uh, Kansuke Yamato, and, like, a bunch of other ones. There's a lot of them. And too many cops, too much backlog, not enough time or support. Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's a tough road to catching up. But hopefully you'll be able to do it one day, Allison. Just, like, there's a lot of talking, and it's not like talking you can just brush over like another shonen, you have to actually pay attention. Yeah, it's not like the it's not like the final, final bits of the final arc of Death Note, where there's so much padding in the dialogue. Like, here, like, how Oyama sets up his dialogue, like, even the smallest detail might matter. You know, or play the play a role in the outcome of the case. Thing from yeah. like two hundred chapters ago. No, well, it's actually important now. Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot of things he brings back from like hundreds of chapters ago is things that are pretty memorable. But like, yeah, like, Oyama is definitely a person who has a keen eye for detail, as Conan would say. So huge. But yeah, I think that basically uh, concludes our recap of uh, Detective Conan, chapter 1014. So now we should head over to uh, Tonikaku Kawaii. Um, So this time we'll be covering Tonikaku Kawaii, chapter 17. This chapter basically starts off with uh, um, NASA having a little monologue, uh, thinking that... uh, the day that uh, Sukasa disappeared, he had hoped to meet her again, So, which is why he started doing delivery jobs and PR jobs, so that he could meet people, but he never uh, found Sukasa, And that, that caused him to feel nothing but sadness. But now that he's with Sukasa again, he feels happy, and he's glad that she's in his life. And uh, so basically NASA is going off to work, and... Uh, he's asking Sukasa if uh, she'll be back. Uh, she'll be still at home when he's back. And Sukasa's like, "If you think I will leave, then you should come back early." And uh, this is like 
And this uh, kind of gives a little bit of excitement in uh, NASA. And he's like, all right, then I'm off now. And Sukas just does a cute, like, later kind of yell. And then um, we have our full uh, title here on uh, the fourth page where uh, it's called, the it's chapter 17. Reading this while listening to Oza Ken's Love and Be Loved, That's the Way to Live, is a great way to do this. <laughs> which I think is uh I think is a popular Japanese song. I'm not too familiar with that. And uh yeah, moving on to the main plot of the chapter again. Uh this one is like a pretty simple chapter for the most part. Like basically it shows off uh a NASA working at a uh at a soup soup stop that is a very popular place for uh for a women. And uh he's saying like I only started working here to meet my wife and he's like now asking his boss if he could quit and his boss just starts freaking out like no I'll go bankrupt without you don't leave <laughs> yeah and then after that Nasta starts reminiscing about uh, his kiss uh, with Tsukasa in the park from the previous chapter and he's like I can't let her feel lonely and I feel lonely, too, when I'm away from her. And he's saying, like, if only there was a way to not let her feel lonely, no matter how far we are apart. And then he comes to the realization, oh, wait, maybe that's what wedding rings are for. And, like, uh, that'll that'll make her feel each other's presence wherever they are. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, so that's why we should get wedding rings. So after work, he starts running home uh, to go talk to Sukasa, and uh, he's hoping that uh, she's still home. And when he sees the lights uh, of his uh, of his uh, room still lit up, he ha- gets a smile on his face, and he walks in and sees uh, Sukasa's cooking, and he's just completely happy. And that's basically how our chapter ends. Overall, it's just kind of a nice short and uh very kind of cute chapter which is nice what did you think of this chapter allison i learned what the function of wedding rings are i mean i one thing i really do like about this manga is that it very much is less about this kind of will she won't they thing like i had mentioned i think our last episode but also like it's still even though like they've kind of reached a far point in their relationship it's still showing them like kind of stabilize it further kind of maintaining the life of a married couple which is kind of really cool because you don't see that in manga that much nope not unless the mango is really old yeah that's true but yeah i'm still really enjoying this manga it's actually convinced me to start maybe start reading uh hayate the combat butler i actually got the first volume of hayate from my uh, local library uh last week so i'm definitely gonna start reading that manga because i that's also by Kenjiro Hata, and if it's anything um, from a, uh, I guess, a romance and uh, humor pers- humor uh, perspective as Tony Kaku I think I'll enjoy it a lot. So yeah, overall this- Lord, why didn't you start reading the manga you already have? I, I, I'll i read those too. Uh, I'll, re- I'll read it all. I'll, I'll find a way. Somehow. Maybe. Probably. Drowning, we can't afford to get any more. I mean, they're not buying the manga, I'm just like borrowing it from the library. 
happen, but still, we, we gotta work on the not drowning thing. Yeah, one, one day. One day I'll stop drowning. One day. Yeah. But any in any case, but uh, in any case, this uh, manga continues to be fantastic. I love it a lot. And yeah, I'm looking forward to more. Me too. So yeah, um, that basically uh, concludes our Shut and Sunday portion of the recap. Unfortunately, the last chapter of the of Silver Spoon from this batch of Arakawa's chapters is not translated yet, so we'll cover that when it is. Um, and yeah, I uh, I'll be kind of sad to see Silver Spoon off until uh, it comes back from hiatus, but. Uh, tis the tis the pattern that Arakawa now now follows, and the series is almost near its end. So, I guess I, I guess I'm patient enough uh, with these hiatuses. I I'm able to deal with them because we know the story's almost over. I'm still upset that it's leaving me again. <laughs> it, it'll it'll be back eventually, hopefully, probably. <laughs> so, one send me emotional support. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, uh, we should uh, head uh, over to the Shonen Magazine portion of our recap, where we're going to be talking about the uh, Hajime no Ippo, chapter 1224. Allison, you're going to take on this one, so let it rip. Hey, play it first. Wait, wrong show. <laughs> I enjoy this new era of Beyblading, so that's what happened. I'm sorry, listeners. I really am. Okay, so chapter 1224. A stool with words saying higher, higher, even higher goes the chair. All over. Epo and his friend are in home. Back and then shout, Benzai! And then Takamura's like, shut up, big boy. But I love him. Everyone's like, the loser escapes, still here, man. Don't rub it in. Power spread with Epo and what's his name cheering happily about their win. Nah. Yeah, it's like, oh man, Senpai probably said something to you. What was his advice? And then Epo's like, oh, it wasn't me. And the other guy's like, it was all me. Taking all the credit. The modest man. Yeah, K- Kimura's like totally up his ass right now. <laughs> yep. Uh, up the butt. Miss right now. He's even doing ridiculous JoJo levels of posing right now. <laughs> it's a matter of strength. What's important is timing. <laughs> He's like, he seems too happy about this. It's his first KO in a long time. <laughs> so much celebration. All Epo's idea in the first place, but Epo's such a good boy that he doesn't want to take credit for it. A lot of shouting. Everyone's like, I didn't curse the match. I prayed for it. It's like, alright, I'll give you as much praise as you want, so the after party's on you tonight. <laughs> Takimura wants someone to pay for his meal. <laughs> and I guess at some point, uh, Kimura took his wallet or something? Oh, and I'm giving back my money. I'll give you back your wallet, too. Demon, pay for my own victory party. I don't know, man. Thanks, you deserve to pay for it. And then there's a guy in the background being like, Oh, you guys, shut up. And he takes a wall. Mora's like, shut up. Who do you think you're talking to? And then start a fight, but then Epo's like, hold on, don't do this. I don't want to get in trouble. The guy is actually Ryu Ayami from a while ago. 
just reflecting and deliberating facts and match. And then everyone's like, but for your own sake, you should quit. Then Ryu is like, I'm going to become a legend. It's facts and thing. Everyone's waiting for me. I had to become a legend in order to pay everyone back who's been cheering for me. Like, Ayami-san, what about you? I wouldn't be in a support role. This way, you'll never be the protagonist again. Glares at him in a menacing way. Who knows what he's gonna do. Besides, I'm cool with Depo being in the support role. Gotta give all these other characters some credit at some point. I mean, we're only at chapter 1224. There's still time to make more character focus out there. It's still freaking out. And then, I have to thank you. You're a legend. And Takamura is like, we let's, let's get out of here, Ipo. <laughs> and then Ipo is like, is he really going to call him the legendary Chunger after all that? It's cool seeing Takamura be a nice guy, though. Takamura is always a grumpy dude. He was like, Ipo, are you really not going to go back to the boxing ring? Like, I have no reason to return. The intensity is real, man. So much intensity. As Jim thought he should retire. So from an entertainment standpoint, he's got broad field and sells tickets. So as long as he was profitable, they went along with it. About Himai, Kiyosuke, and Hayami is going by the wayside. So much intensity. Everyone's gonna go home. Takamura really wanted a party. So everyone's gonna go home. And uh, everyone's on the train. Kimura's like, sorry, Ipo. I only won because your your advice, and I was being an asshole about it. <laughs> I was like, hey, Ipo, are you really all right in just a support role? When you said that, you seemed very upset. To tell you the truth, I never thought of it once as a support role. It's everything that my coach does. Hey. Going back to the train station, and there's words that say, after reaping victory, the return is just a bit heavy and just a bit harsh. My goodness. That's the end of the chapter, oh man. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely finding an interesting direction that Morikawa is taking things in. Because part of me is not sure anymore if, like, really, he's gonna have people return to the ring or not. Like, like he, he seems to be driving home this message of, like, is Ippo... Is Repo Ipo really only the protagonist if he is the one boxing? Is being in the supporting role still not important? Which, which is kind of an interesting way to take on Ipo's character. And yeah, I'm kind of interested in what direction he's taking this in overall. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Overall, I'm definitely intrigued though on just the direction that Hajime no Ipo is going. Yeah, me too, especially after all the crazy fights that happened. Oh my god. Yeah, the thing the things are uh things are going in an interesting direction. Does anyone's guess what's gonna happen next? Oh, it's good seeing Takamura be a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, that too. But but uh, yeah, uh, I guess uh we should move on to our last series in the week in the recap for this week. Orient. So here we got Orient Chapter 3, Band of Bushi. So we start off uh, this chapter with uh, with Musashi and Kojiro having defeated the Kishin. And uh, Kojiro's like, yeah, we beat this uh, 
we beat this uh, Oni, so let's get out of here, and we're going to go form a band of Bushi, which uh, really excites uh, Musashi, and they're like, yeah, we're going to be the best Bushi ever. And within uh, Kojiro's mind, he's like, I've already given up on this old dream, but if if that's what Musashi wants, I'll try dreaming again, and maybe I'll discover the truth about Warrior Pride. And uh, then Musashi's like, this red Kishin will be remembered as our band's uh, first triumph. And it's the first step to, to realizing our dream. Uh, after he says that, uh, suddenly they see a band of people on motorcycles coming, uh, basically to the battle site. And it turns out to be a band of Bushi. And they just start, and they're coming in on these, like, kind of samurai, not really samurai-like armor, but kind of more just, I guess, like, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just kind of these, like, really funky armors, and they have, like, their... Cool-looking motorbikes and all, Tokyo and samurai Warriors. swords. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they sort of look like that. But their names are the Takeda, the Takeda Bushi, and uh, it reminds Kojiro that while Hinomoto, Hinomoto, the their homeland is under the control of the Oni. Beyond the town, there are still lots of Bushi that are trying to reclaim the human world. And so basically we see these Bushi kind of like coming in onto the enemy territory and uh, Kodra's kind of in awe of them and like he's like, these guys are the real thing. People with warrior blood, the same as me, just like my old man said. And then one of the Bushi comes up to Kojiro and Musashi and it's like, uh, you, you, you local kids should get out of here. It's dangerous. And Musashi's like, no, we, you're wrong. We killed that Bushi. We're like you. And the dude's like, uh, you did guys didn't really kill the Bushi. It's still actually alive. All you did was just make a hole in his belly. That That's just like a flesh wound to it. And suddenly the, the, uh, the Kishin, uh, suddenly regenerates and gets, like, basically even more powerful. And the Bushi is like, we'll deal with it for you, so go plan someplace safe. And suddenly the Kishin just, like, brings up these crystal-like dagger things covered in fire uh, and starts shooting them everywhere. Looks so pretty, V-Lord. It looks so pretty, but it's deadly, too. And, uh, Kojiro barely evades, like, one of the attacks... And he notices just a bunch of dead Bushi surrounding him. And he's like, this is hopeless. We should do as the Bushi said and run away. And he's like trying to call over to uh, Musashi so that they can both run away. But Musashi is refusing, saying like, the Bushi are stealing from us. This is supposed to be our first kill. I want to defeat it on my own. And Kojiro's like freaking out, saying like, like, uh... Why, why is Musashi so obsessed with uh, trying to kill this Kishin? He's screaming like, you'll burn to death and stuff like that. And Musashi just turns around with a smile and says, I don't want them to steal all the glory. Which just like leaves Kojiro flabbergasted. Yeah, he's crazy. And uh, 
<laughs> yeah, he he's uh, one spunky kid, and uh, basically like he's like this this is the first step to making our dream come true, and then uh, he goes on and rushes towards the Kishin, and as well as a uh, Nekomata Oni that has been summoned uh, to also help with the counter attack, and uh, Musashi just starts swinging at both of them, fighting both of them off. Yep, and. Yeah, he's just, like, trying to face off against the Kishin by himself with full confidence. And, uh, yeah, we just get, like, a bunch of really cool kind of art art scene, art panels and, uh, just a really cool spread of, like, the Bushi and Musashi fighting off the, uh, the Kishin. And then, uh, Kojiro's, like, uh... You're crazy, man. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Kojo's like, uh, I, I still can't charge ahead like Misashi does, and I don't believe in dying for the sake of realizing a dream. And, like, he's like, what's the difference between us, and why does, uh, why is Musashi just so different despite us having the same dream? And then he notices, like, why does Musashi seem like the hero, and kind of in the background, it's kind of a picture of a more samurai kind of a bushy, a bushy-like figure behind uh, Kojiro, so what? Yeah, and uh, this kind of frustrates Kojiro, but we then pan back to the background where the rest of the Takeda Bushi camp is, and they're kind of just watching uh, Musashi fight off this uh, Kishin by himself, and we kind of get introduced to a cast of uh, Bushi here. Um, Ooh, they all look so cute. Yeah, they they look a pretty fierce, pretty buff too, um, and yeah, they're like uh, well, one of one of the one of the members of the of the of the Bushi clan is like, uh, we should abandon the Aki peasants and and uh, things because like it's unnecessary, and uh, then the leader is like, uh, and then the leader is like, there's no point in defeating the defeating the uh, Kishin if the townsfolk don't survive. And then it's revealed to be the leader of the Takeda Bushi, Takeda Nautora. And uh, basically they're just kind of very impressed uh, by by uh, Musashi's uh, combat uh, prowess and his willingness to fight off the Kishin. And he's like, perhaps he's also staking his life on something he can't give up. Can't say I dislike that kind of fool. And that's basically how our chapter ends. Overall, this was uh, just another really good uh, action-heavy chapter. Uh, Otaka is doing a very good job of just keeping us straight in the action and, like, really kind of keeping us pumped the entire time. Like, compared to a lot of other battles shown where you kind of have to ease into a lot of the action, um, what Orient is really doing well is getting us to the action... Right from the first, like, the first chapter and just keep pushing it onwards. There hasn't really been kind of a, kind of a, not really a downpoint, kind of a, a loss in tension in these first three chapters. Like, it's, it's a solid first three chapters from beginning to end. Like, once you get into the action, it just keeps going and keeps escalating, which is awesome. More of it, Bjorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to more. Uh, Allison, uh, do you have any other thoughts on this chapter? 
I wanted to learn a little bit more backstory, but I got more Musashi kicking the monsters are called booties, which is good. Yeah, I think we definitely uh, are going to be seeing some more backstory soon once uh once the this fight finally finishes. Like, like it's kind of insane. We're still on the first battle of the entire manga, and I think like uh, it'll probably finish up in the next chapter, and then. Like, by the fifth chapter, we'll finally have some kind of downtime to maybe have a bit more, like, uh, more, less action-heavy character focus. So it'll be interesting to see how Otaka finally handles that when she gets to it. But so far, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, the leader guy gave me a Sinbad vibe, which isn't isn't too bad. Yeah. I just, I really want someone to publish this so I can read it. Yeah, Kodanji USA, please license this. Please simul puppet. Please, I, I need it. I need it. Need it in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like the Takeda Bushi are going to be playing a role in the future chapters. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how their dynamic goes with uh, Musashi and Kojiro. So that, that'll be a good thing to look forward to. And uh, yeah, that basically sums up this chapter. And I wonder how Kojiro is going to handle all those other bushies. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to have to fight him at all. I think, like, they're just going to have to... I'm not sure if they're going to necessarily join their bushi group or... or something like that, but at least probably, like, learn how to survive in the outside world uh, with their help. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on between them. But uh, yeah, that basically uh, wraps up our recap for this week and the episode. Um, next uh, next week we're finally gonna be getting to uh, uh Sheriff Evans's Lies, the Shonen Sunday manga. We were initially planning to do it this week, like we mentioned uh, in the last episode, but I got really busy this week and wasn't able to catch up. But next week we're definitely gonna talk about it. Um, I know Allison is already caught up and she really likes it, so I'm I'm definitely. Uh, looking forward to digging in and getting caught up. So you should handle it easy. Yeah, it's not too long, so I should be able to do it, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. But yeah, yeah um, I guess well, we should uh, plug our stuff and get out of here. Um, Allison, where can the good people find you? At yeah, 900 on twitter.com. V-Lord. Uh, people can uh, find me on Twitter at VLORDGTZ. That is V-L-O-R-D-G-T-Z. Um, and yeah, usually I'm talking about whatever stuff I'm doing, whatever manga I'm reading, whatever movies I'm watching, whatever uh, games I'm playing. I'm, I've currently been on a lot of a, a, a bit of a Splatoon binge with a lot of the Tsunami Faithful Discord crew. So that's been really fun. It's <laughs> yeah, um, and then I'm planning to start up a Neo pretty soon, the PS4 hack and slash game. So yeah, that that's I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. And uh, yeah, uh, as far as the podcast is concerned, you can follow the podcast at all comic dot com, uh, and uh, follow the podcast section on there, and as well as. Follow us on Twitter at Drowning in Manga. That is uh, just as it's spelled as one word, basically. Drowning in Manga. And uh, we also are on iTunes as well. And that's also under Drowning in Manga, of course. So yeah, just uh, follow us all over those places. We 
Uh, try to keep the updates fairly regular on there so that you know what's going on when the podcast is coming out. Generally, these episodes are going to be coming out on Sundays. This episode was recorded a bit late, so it's going to be out probably, hopefully, on a Monday or Tuesday. I'll have to see. But generally, I'm going to try to keep these coming out on Sundays. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, that, uh, concludes this episode. So, uh, catch you later, guys. 